Well, I know this one's kind of supposed to be maybe a little bit more serious-minded, but, um, well, I don't know. I guess that's not where... That's not where my mind is to start off with. It's well, it's it's a it's the holiday season for cry, for crying out loud. This is going to be the last Elwood City limits of 2021, according to our uh, schedule, which we have posted on for free on Patreon.com/slash Elwood City Limits. So yeah, and it's and what a one to end off on. It's true. We don't, you know, this might be a little bit more of a solemn episode than we're used to talking about. It is Arthur, after all. Um, but that doesn't mean we have to be solemn, Will. It's, it's, we can send out 2021 with good vibes. And also, I'll stress that this might be the last Elwood City Limits of the year, but it's not the last you'll hear from us. Goodness, no. There is still a lot more content to come, whether or not, uh, no matter whether you're a patron or not. Uh, so don't worry about that. It's just, uh, this is the last time that we're covering season 13 of Arthur for Elbit City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Uh, my name's Will. Lucas is my co-host. Um, it looks like, I wanted to follow up on this very quickly, Lucas, I think we solved the Aglet mystery. Yes. So I believe you... it was from the Phineas and Ferb episode is where I, I heard of the aglet, and, and, and that's the cartoon I was thinking of. So thanks to Casey Cosmos and to Lissa for sending – for both of you sent in that uh, the place that Lucas heard of an aglet before was a Phineas and Ferb segment, and uh, they were right on that. As soon as that episode came out a couple of weeks ago, they sent in those emails, lickety split – um, I also had a holdover question, Lucas, that I wanted to pose to you. Yoshi was asking about a time where you bonded with someone over something you both really liked. Now, in that email, Yoshi obviously named uh, wrestling as one thing, which mm-hmm. you and I bonded over very quickly. Mm-hmm. But has there been any other subject oh, that yeah. where you have made a, where you have bonded and then made friends over? One of my oldest friends, I don't know if I've told this story on the pod before, I might have, but one of my oldest friends, who I'm still friends with to this day, uh, we met at grade two of elementary school, um, and the way we met was that I brought a Disney Adventures magazine. Do you remember Disney Adventures? I was a proud subscriber for many, many years. Yeah, it was like Reader's Digest, where it's like a square instead of like a full-sized magazine. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the Disney Adventures magazine had a quiz that was, which Sonic Heroes team are you? I don't remember if it was an advertisement or an actual like article um, to promote the Sonic Heroes game coming out. And a good friend, a a person who is still my good friend to this day uh, said, I love Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) And we've been (laughs) friends ever since. Do you remember which Sonic Heroes team you were? Uh, Oh, I I think I was the, the weird one, like Team Chaotix. Or whatever with Charlie oh, the Bee oh, and, oh, Chaotix and is my SVO the Gecko or whatever. Yeah, Chaotix is my favorite. Oh yeah, I I can. You're a little bit charmy esque. I can see that. Um, I don't know how to he, take that. He, but, uh, the friend was Team Sonic. Okay, tried and tried and true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly, it's like Team Sonic, Team like Dark, which was like Shadow Rouge and E103. Yeah, the robot. Um. There was Will. There how could I forget about Victor the Crocodile, who's also on no, Team Chaos? V- Vector, my man. Come on. What? As somebody, as somebody who read the Knuckles the Echidna comics in elementary school, um, it's 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 Vector, Sbo, and Charmy are Team Chaotix. And then I think the 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 last one is like the one nobody liked. It was like, uh, like Cream. 
No, am I getting this wrong? No, hang on. This right, is, now I'm I... having a Mandela effect moment right here. I can't believe his name is Vector. It's Vector. I can't, I thought he was Victor this whole time. No, sir. Uh, okay, right. So it was uh, Amy Rose, Cream the Rabbit, and Big the Cat. The Again, the one that the team that nobody likes. <laughs> so, yeah. I've, uh, I mean, Chaotix was always my favorite. Although it didn't have Mighty the Armadillo, who might have been my favorite uh, Team Chaotix member. Anyway, <laughs> all that besides. Okay, so, I mean, hey, Sonic the Hedgehog has brought together a lot of people, and I think it still continues to. So um, it's, that, that totally stands up. We do have a couple of new emails to go over. Um, I wanted to go over a couple of the more casual ones before we get into the episode. Again, people have sent this, like to send this over to elvacitylimits at gmail.com. So our first one comes in from, why do I not have the name here? Well, oh, well, I should know because uh, they, they, sent, they sent me uh, a question on the Patreon. If I had received the email, well, don't worry, Matt. We received the email and uh, we're going to talk about it right now. Sorry it's taken me so long to get in touch with both of you. I've been listening to the podcast since this past August, discovering it from Finding DW. Uh, I want to thank you for an enjoyable show. In spite of being 30 years old this year, I still enjoy the series being almost the only show from my childhood, which I watch sometimes. Admittedly, I prefer the older episodes rather than the new ones. Well, I have talked about that before myself. In regard to the show ending, I'm okay with this. Arthur has had as long a run as the Oprah Winfrey show. Not many children's animated shows can boast that. I wanted to say I was surprised by Mark Brown's claim and uh, well, uh, that Francine ends up being attracted to the same sex. This is something that Mark Brown was asked a couple of years ago. Uh, I believe he answered it at some kind of Q&A. And he, I think he at, at least insinuated, I don't know if he outright said, but he kind of at least intimated that Francine, um, at, least in his, at least in his mind, if not canonically, that um, she has same-sex attraction. Um Matt says, we see Arthur and Francine together when they are old at the end of the episode, and now let's talk to some kids. I would think that Mark Brown could have told them not to show that since Francine has attracted the girls. Uh, but I suppose in retrospect that Mark Brown doesn't have a lot of creative control over the series. I just wanted to bring this up because I think that this is something that is uh, relatively new. Like, Mark Brown only came out with that a couple of years ago, and I would not be surprised if he did not have that in mind at all. Um, when that episode aired in, like, like the late 90s or so and it also would have been yeah or is this just a classic case of by erasure oh yeah Yeah, well why not have your cake and eat it too why does it have to be one or the other it's 2021 baby it's true and i just feel like if they were going to do that if if mark brown had that in mind at any point you would in the late 90s, you would have to make, like, a story out of that. That would have to have been Francine's character. And given how we can look back on media of the time, uh, like, I don't know if that would have been a super great idea. And also, well, I feel Especially weird. given that the, they're all kids as well. You know, That's it's, the it's other- weird. The, the, I know people love to have fun uh, with shipping the Arthur, Arthur characters. Uh, uh, and, of course, usually when they do that, they're, they're thinking of the far-flung future. Uh, I'm not trying to accuse anybody of anything. I, I know everybody's kind of, it's all in good fun and everybody's heart's in the right place. Um, but I think that it's one of these things where the show kind of purposefully never really answers any of these questions, with the exception of characters like Mr. Rappern, who is an adult. That's uh, right. Simply because nobody's dating anyone, really, because they're all eight-year-olds. And it's also, like I said, it's a property that started in the 90s. So I think, yeah. 
like straight is assumed. But you're but I also I the, I was also going to add that like I don't feel so great talking about s- sexuality on this mm-hmm, show mm-hmm, and not to say mm-hmm. that it couldn't be done in some way. It has and that, with and, 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 I, and and like Lucas said I don't want to discourage anybody from shipping or anything like that as long you know as long as it's all good clean fun. But uh, yeah I don't know if that's something that especially at the time I don't think it would have been tackled correctly. Um, Matt also had a final point about um, he was watching uh, Arthur and Buster BFFL, uh, former guest on the show and friend of the show on YouTube. Check out their YouTube videos. Uh, asking if Arthur could do heavier topics. Um, I, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on this too much because we kind of already did. But especially with the topic that Matt's talking about, uh, I would say I would say no, I, I don't think that that should be done. And you have to do it in a way, and we are going to talk about this in this episode, you have to do it in a way that you have to, almost with kid gloves, you know? Like, there are some television shows, and even ones directed at kids, where you can Mm. be a little bit more, um, I guess, blunt, maybe? But some, like, Arthur is well-equipped to talk about some things, and it's not always directly. Like, if you think back to April 9th, like, that is their 9-11 episode, but it's not about 9-11 because that's yeah. all very intense and it was very still very political at the time. I mean, it still mm-hmm. is. But Arthur can talk about some things, and it should. There are other topics it shouldn't talk about because this is not the place for them. And mm-hmm. it, also taking a broad approach of, like, different people learn about different things at different points in their development. If you're taking a broad stroke, this show is for kids <sighs> aged 5 to... Typically, let's say 12. I Obviously, you know, we're a lot older. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're older than 12, probably. But at that point, then you can move on to other media that can tackle that in a much more appropriate way. Yeah, what were you gonna say? exactly. Well, the, no, I was just going to echo your sentiment that, like, you know, for us, since we're uh, older discussing this show, obviously it's it's a fun intellectual exercise to be like, what if... Arthur tackled this, that, and the other thing. What would Arthur's take on this would be? But yeah. in reality, you know, uh, I think the show should be focused. First of all, I think the, uh, Arthur punches up in terms of uh, it, it continues to be engaging and entertaining for people that are older than uh, the intended audience. I mean, mm-hmm. us as an example. But even in the sense that, like, I think in reality, the show is supposed to be capped out at, like, eight-year-olds. Yet people watch yeah. beyond that because it's just so well done, um, and there's a lot of depth to it. Uh, but with that being said, I think in terms of the seriousness uh, of the kind of uh, situations involved, should kind of be capped out at that intended audience, as opposed to appealing to uh, or tackling subjects that'd be more appropriate for the older audiences that still enjoy Arthur, just because of the depth of the writing and stuff like that. Right, and Arthur doesn't always get it right. We've talked about. Arthur doing message episodes that fall flat. Yeah. And and that will be true as it grows older and as things change. So in short, Arthur shouldn't talk about everything, but there are some things that it can talk about and do rather well. Um we also got an email from DJ Richopo. Um excuse me if I mispronounce your if I mispronounce your last name. Discovered ECL over the summer. It's become a favorite of mine. It reminds me of the podcasts Potterless and Meddling Adults that also look at popular kids' entertainment through a fun adult lens. 
And I feel like you would both be great gets on meddling adults. Well, maybe if somebody wants to uh, uh, let them let them know about that, well, then maybe maybe we'll get something. But uh, yeah, I'll check that out. Also, I'm looking forward to when you get to the Flash animation era of Arthur to cover two of my favorite recent episodes, Buster's Book Battle and On the Buster Scale. Talking about reading and movie reviews, Buster's Book Battle has a parody of the Percy Jackson and the Olympians series. The actual series is better than the Arthur parody makes it out to be. All right, I guess we'll have that to look forward to. We do have one more email, but that is actually going to be into baked into the show, such as it is. So at this point, I just want to say, uh, first of all, thank you for the emails, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com, and we would especially like your feedback as it uh, regards to this episode. Um as we as we'll get into, but you can send it to us about practically anything. I might do, I might do uh, a mailbag uh, for the end of the year to kind of tack on with the New Year's content. Again, go to Patreon.com/slash/ElwoodCityLimits to see what you're going to be getting for the rest of this uh, for the rest of this month. Last week on our Patreon, Dune and Clifford. Our dub, our first ever double movie review of Clifford the Big Red Dog and Dune. That was a that was a real fun time to talk about. We get we get I'll, real. I'll never lo- forget Clifford. <laughs> we get real. We get real loose and silly when we talk about movies because we because we like them. And uh, well, you can. I mean, sometimes we like them. Um, you can check that out on our Patreon, and uh, we will also be coming out with a new episode of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, uh, next week. The last one. For the end of 2021, the poll rages on. Patrons, if you haven't voted in the poll for what the last episode of 2021 will be, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, you can vote between Bill Nye the Science Guy or Molly of Denali. It's going to be a big episode regardless, so make sure your voice is heard. And, of course, want to say a big thank you to a uh, few of those patrons. Selected randomly, I'll have you know. But, as always, you can let me know if I haven't said your name in a while. Patrons like, well, the lovely people who emailed in today, but including Zara, uh, Cyril Della Rosa, Anteater21, Baby Show Addict, Emmy the Ghost, Alistair, Nicholas DeMarco, Daniel Uptograph. And we also have lovely people like Greg Hagai, Matt Kristen, or yes, that is Kristen. Sierra S. We have Macy Ball, Riley Stevens, and we'll also end off with let's go with Leanne S., our first patron. And thank you very much, everybody, for supporting us, whether you are a patron or not. So today's episode we are talking about is the Great McGrady. And this one is actually going to have a little... I had to do a fair amount of research for this. This is like a little bit of a... If you've ever wondered, if you're not a patron, what For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast sounds like, this is a little bit of it. So, Lucas, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend this first part. I'm going to tell you a little bit of, of facts about this episode that we're going to be watching. So, The Great McGrady, or as it was also known at on its uh, October 19th airing, a very special Arthur it's technically listed as the first episode of season 13 on the PBS Kids episode guide, even though it aired fifth, which is why we didn't start our ECL season with it. So I don't think it's any spoilers to let you know that this episode, the big topic around it is cancer. Uh, Mrs. McGrady gets cancer. The episode itself was co-sponsored by 
the Lance Armstrong Foundation, which is now called the Live Strong Foundation. The aim of the foundation was initially to provide personalized support services for cancer patients and their loved ones to help to navigate the challenges of a cancer diagnosis. Right now, the Livestrong Foundation is more of a backer of the general improvement of cancer patient care. And as we will probably make allusions to, and as we've mentioned before in the episode Room to Ride, where he first appeared, Lance Armstrong stepped down from the foundation in 2012 due to uh, the doping scandal. As it turned out, a lot of his wins in the Tour de France and other cycling contests were uh, not valid. He cheated. So a lot of his, he was stripped. He was stripped of those titles, thoroughly disgraced. And we will get into the impact of what happened with that. I remember... I remember watching that while I was in um, while I was in radio school, like as that was happening. That was wild. I remember what was that movie called? The program. The program. Yeah, it was a dramatized version of the Lance Armstrong scandal. I don't know. I've never heard of this. Yeah, uh, came out. When did the program come out? In program 2015. 2015. Yes. Ben Foster. Oh man, I can't believe I missed it. I love Ben Foster. He no, plays a good, uh, like, short, angry guy in this. <laughs> uh, 61%. Okay, well, I won't rush out to see it. But, uh, yeah, that's the big, that was a big controversy, and that will fuel what happens to this episode a bit later. The episode, it was co-written by an Arthur writer named Leah Ryan. Her other credit is The Cherry Tree, which we talked about uh, a few episodes ago, it was the one with uh, the cherry tree going in Muffy's backyard. I think we, if I remember correctly, I think we generally like liked it, liked it okay. But Leah Ryan, she co-wrote this with Peter Hirsch and based Mrs. McGrady's experience on her own cancer diagnosis. And unfortunately, Leah Ryan died in June 2008 before the episode aired in October. Uh, she was 43 years old. Uh, this, this episode is dedicated to her, as you can tell from the title card. Mrs. McGrady also, she was renamed. Her original uh, name, which I remember from the episode with Grandma Thora making those tomato cookies. So she called her Sarah McGrady, but they have since renamed her to Leah McGrady in her honor. The episode is listed on Wikipedia as only the second animated cartoon to tackle cancer at the time. And I asked about this on Discord. Sydney Long told me that the first was likely a special, which I have seen before, called Why Charlie Brown Why, which is a peanut special featuring a little girl with cancer, which is actually one of the first places where I saw cancer depicted just completely. Like, I remember very, I remember parts of that very vividly. Like, Linus makes friends with a little girl. Uh, she wears. So, like something on her head. I think it might have been a, a wig or some such, and she's bald underneath. And then mm. at the end, her cancer treatments work, and her hair grows back. Um, it's a it's a memorable episode. So I didn't realize that Arthur was. And and then I looked it up. You can find on Google there are several animated shows after two thousand eight, um, or whenever this aired that tackle cancer in various ways. So Arthur and Peanuts as well, helping to lay the groundwork for how to talk about this. There were pre-screening events for the episode, which were held in tandem with the Lance Armstrong Foundation. Uh, you can find this online now. PBS has published an online activity booklet for kids 
to help them better understand and come to terms with a loved one having cancer. So if you search, um, if you search the Great McGrady, one of the search results on Google will take you to their um, their PDF booklet. It's really really great. I'm super happy that they made it. It's just explaining cancer, at, like asking you know frequently asked questions from kids, like giving a more detailed explanation than they can go into in this episode. And I'm just really glad that it exists. So then this also has a little bit of a reputation as the quote unquote banned episode of Arthur. But was it really banned? Well, not really. The episode was pulled from circulation in 2012 in response to Lance Armstrong being charged with doping. And it was taken out of re-airings on a national level but you would have potentially been able to see it after 2012 if you had a PBS station that had an independent rerun schedule. So where, mm. de- where they determined which episodes of Arthur would be playing as opposed to just following the national WGBH um, and PBS branding. The episode was, in fact, remade as, early, as recently as this year with season 24, which is the Arthur season that aired this year. The big episode that came with it was a remake of The Great McGrady, and it was remade to remove references to Lance Armstrong. And I won't get into it now, but near the end of the episode, I will talk about the differences uh, between the episodes. Um, I also wanted to quote here from Arthur executive producer Jackie Deegan about why the, the reasoning why they wanted to do this sort of episode. Cancer affects nearly everyone in some way. We hope that this two-part episode will empower kids, families, and caregivers to talk about all the feelings that can come up when a loved one has cancer and how they can work together and remain positive and hopeful through difficult times. So that's a big part of their reasoning, and we don't get a lot of that. Like We don't get a lot of direct commentary on why a certain Arthur episode was made, so I'm glad that we have this. So let's talk about the episode itself and how we feel about it. So it starts out fairly innocuously with uh, we get introduced to Buster's food almanac, which is, I think Buster's ahead of the curve here. He's talking a little bit about like food journaling, which is really big these days in terms of tracking what you're eating and what goes into your body. Uh, for There's a line where he's talking about baked ziti, uh, and I thought he was curious as why the food almanac didn't taste smell like base, baked ziti, uh, yeah. but he's actually talking about why the cafeteria doesn't smell like baked ziti. But apparently the food almanac is only 99% accurate, which I'm curious as to kind of what are the errors uh, within. I imagine it might have been uh, <laughs> maybe maybe just a... Uh, maybe just, uh, a day where Mrs. McGrady wasn't feeling well or she was like subbing out for a cold or something and they just had to pinch hit or she just decided to just do something random or off the schedule. But you're right, he's had the food tracker since first grade. So it probably, I wonder, so they're in third grade right now. If he's had it for two years and if you take a school calendar, what would the 1% of days be where Mm. it's inaccurate? I think you could probably do that. I don't know if I'm smart enough to. So if anybody wants to email us in with that fact, please do. Uh, but it turns out, yeah, Buster does not smell baked ziti like he thought he would because Mrs. McGrady isn't in the cafeteria. She's been, uh, she's, she's, uh, well, we'll find out in a second, but she's been replaced for now with Skip Bitterman, who introduces himself as such. This guy. Skip Bitterman, throwaway character of the week. 
Okay. Uh, there, there's a couple of them in here. So I was kind of curious where you'd land. But this guy, this guy's like, uh, like t- talk about, you know, Arthur's a 90s cartoon here through and through. This is a kind of stereotype of like, I wonder if they still do this of like the guy, big man, sweat stained shirt, like a, a grease splotch with like loose fitting pants. He's fat and just makes horrible food. I wonder if that's still <laughs> alive and kicking. He, he's like, he's like the Arthurized version of Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah, he really is. He doesn't quite have like he needs a bit more of a of a of an Italian accent, but he's he's just kind of like yeah, Skip Bitterman. Like he's just kind of a walking garbage can. So, in terms of how he sounds, uh, and he creates hilariously awful food. Which you ever think about how like a common joke, and maybe and again, does this has this continued? Are school lunches? still like a joke school lunch is being gross yes yes absolutely a lot you of times so? schools around here uh their lunches are provided by armark which is a company that also provides foods to the uh prison around here as well so uh, it doesn't take a genius to figure out <laughs> that it could be as subpar quality sometimes uh, and I, I think it's one of those things that just depends on you know what school district you're in, how well fu- how uh, well funded your school program is, you know how how they allocate those funds and so on and so forth. I also just wonder where it comes from because school lunches are a are a frequently political topic uh, in this day and age. So I wonder if the whole thing of like school lunches being terrible is like well. That's because the system has been underfunded for so long. It just kind of makes me yeah. think. He's this Skip Bitterman is so bad that, as Arthur says, "How do you ruin a cracker?" <laughs> There's lots of uh, food-based humor. Uh, Francine talks about how the stale bread defeated her. Like she fought the stale <laughs> bread, and the stale bread won. Um, it, what is it? A goulash that Buster is worried is alive. Uh, it, it kinda. It looks like. It looks like it has beans. I hope those are bean sprouts coming out of it, but I don't know. It's just it's it's very it's very much like you don't often see Arthur going like gross school food, but it's yeah, it's it is quite unpleasing, <laughs> displeasing to look at. Ugh. So the reason that Mrs. McGrady is not there, as Mr. Ratburn announces to the class, um, is that she has been diagnosed with cancer. But they, and I appreciate this, they made sure really early on to be like, they've caught it early. She has a very good chance and her sister has come Mm. in to take care of her. Mm. And the rest of this episode is mainly one character's reaction, but a multitude of reactions to Mm. this news. Because Mrs. McGrady is, I mean, she's a background character. She has a personality for sure. And she's been featured here and there. I don't know if she's, you could say she has her own episode but it's just kind of it's it's kind of like when Mr. Morris uh, in the uh, in the April 9th episode of just like, oh, yeah, Mr. Morris is kind of always there and you never really notice him. And until it's time to notice him, I will say and, and I, this is almost an unfair criticism because it's like, OK, this is an episode about one of the characters getting cancer. It's a kid's show. It's going to be, you know, earnest and kind of uh, like sentimental and and those kind of things uh because it's a children's show and it's it's discussing a very heavy topic but i will say i actually didn't like 
how heavy-handed this reveal is, um, just in the way that they had multiple kids in the class deliver the lines of, like, cancer, can't, like, people say the word cancer, uh, I feel like, too, too many times during this reveal, and, like, someone even repeats back, like, Mrs. McGrady, cancer, um, and, mm. you know, from the rest of the episode, it's evident that Mrs. McGrady has cancer, and that cancer is a serious thing, so I think they laid on just a little too thick, for my taste in in this portion, um, and 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 obviously you know that's a hard tightrope to walk because how do you not lay it on thick with such a serious subject for a show aimed at kids? But I just feel like this moment it felt unArthur like just how much like hearing the chorus of kids repeat the word cancer over and over again. I don't know something about it didn't quite work for me. I uh, I disagree. I think that maybe I can't I can't say whether or not it was unArthur like, but. It seemed very natural to me because in the you're right in the immediate aftermath of rapper and saying that there is a lot of kids being like cancer cancer and like they're like asking questions and I felt that that was actually a really good observation of children's behavior of like as soon as even just group behavior like as soon as you hear something that you don't expect to hear you've got a million questions and kids don't have that filter so they're all just like cancer cancer what is what does that mean what like is she is she sick is she gonna die da 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 and I thought that that was a really interesting, like, almost like a shockwave of reaction to that initial bombshell, such as it is. Um, I, I, I actually, I actually quite liked it. So the first, the ones that we explore initially is that Muffy is kind of dismissive of Mrs. McGrady's um, diagnosis. She's not, she isn't not care but she's very focused mm. on her dad's birthday that's what's on the mm. front of her mind and she doesn't really have a relationship with mrs mcgrady so she's just kind of a person who works at the school so it's not really on her mind francine is immediately very shaken and she mentions mm. that you know she's having trouble concentrating on helping muffy find uh consulting ties uh for her dad's birthday and francine mentions that her grandfather died of cancer so the subject is very close to her and She's uh, we we're going to be exploring her feelings a lot in this episode. By the way, I wanted to mention while Muffy is consulting ties with one of her servants named Sebastian, um, who's got a little bit of the Philip Seymour Hoffman hair going on. Uh, she looks at two different ties and says they're both so daddy. And I was like, who like a sh- like a shiver went through me. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, she means, oh, they're both so father. They're, yeah. they're both so father. I understand. Also, Mr. Crosswire. Yes. 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 Yeah. Ed. They're both Ed. All right. <laughs> uh, so we also see Arthur and DW, who are become frequent visitors to Mrs. McGrady. And this is the first time that we see her. Uh, we see her in her house. She's kind of dressed in, you know, pajamas, sweater and pajama bottoms, and just kind of convalescing at this point. Um, Arthur and DW visit her. Uh, they bring uh, Dad's homemade chicken soup, and DW brings her a stuffed animal. We even get the the visual return of Nurse DW from Arthur's baby and DW's baby, which I don't I don't remember if that costume has made much of a return, but it was very cool to see them digging back into the visual memory of the show. And this is where we, uh, Mrs. McGrady explains to them what cancer is because she's talking to an eight year old and a four year old, so she explains that. Her body, the, her body is like a, a garden. And Lucas, forgive me if I mess this up, but it's uh, in the garden that is her body. Cancer is weeds cropping up, and right, so the medicine right, right. she's taking cells. Her her cells are the flowers. Yes, um, and then the cancer itself is the weeds. 
Right, exactly. So that's how she explains it. And I think it's I, I, I think it was it a very simple but effective mm-hmm. way to talk mm-hmm. about it without getting into the nitty gritty because they never they mention that they mention like medicine a couple of times. We don't get into chemotherapy. We don't talk yeah. about chemo or like the treatments or anything like that. No. It's not that. Nor do we even really know what type of cancer Mrs. McGrady has. No, that's true. They never mention the specific type of cancer, and you can't tell from her physicality. Yeah, there's there's no telltale signs other than the fact that she is using chemotherapy. Um, but yeah, no, I th- I thought that they I thought that this was a really good way to 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 simply explain it, which is absolutely a question, especially for kids who are interested in the body and science and all this kind of stuff. So Muffy has no confidence in the gifts that she gives her father, and she blames it on Francine, who... <laughs> yeah, is... she didn't give as good of a gift as Bailey, who gave him Endgame by Samuel Beckett, yeah, which this is, is like a... some sort of fake Tom Clancy novel. No, it's that's a real novel. What? Wait, yeah. what? I'm looking this up right now. So, Sam, I was going to ask you if you've ever read this. I, I never have. Samuel Beckett is like a philosopher. He's a, a philosopher and a playwright. Um, and Endgame, he's, it's the same guy uh, who wrote Waiting for Godot. I have and, no familiarity with this whatsoever. This is interesting. So neither do I, and I, I didn't want to pretend like I do. I didn't want to read the Wikipedia summary and be like, Ooh, oh, it's, it's about this. But I just thought it was really interesting that they just like, Endgame by Samuel Beckett. Like, wow, okay. That's like, I've heard of that. Interesting. Um, might have to put that on the old reading list, Lucas, if you're looking to, mm-hmm. if you're looking for a recommendation. Yeah, I didn't uh, know. I don't know Harold Bloom. I didn't know any of this. As M- Muffy is saying, like, oh, like, sorry, the ties aren't very good. Uh, you can return them if you want to. And it's all Francine's fault because she, you know, she wasn't concentrating. Francine is, you know, racked with a lot of feelings. She has a nightmare that night where Mrs. McGrady, she ends up leaving the cafeteria for, she says, a job spinning the bingo wheel at the community center. She even takes back all of her kitchen equipment, including a spatula that has like a face and voice, which was a little strange. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. This was weird, and I, I kept expecting it. I wasn't sure what they were going to do with this because it's like, okay, they're talking about this really serious subject of cancer. This is a weird time to have, like, a classic Arthur Nightmare sequence. Um, but we don't get anything too fan- – the only thing that's really fantastical about it uh, is the, the, the smiling – spatula yeah um everything else it's just kind of mrs mcgrady talking in a the weird stilted way that the adults tend to talk in the dream sequences at arthur like Mm -hmm. they don't they don't quite talk like themselves they project a little bit more um and she's being a little bit unnatural but besides that and her saying that she's going to get a full-time job uh cranking the uh bingo uh spinner thing um this is this is a weird sequence yeah, and it ends with Francine running down the hallway begging her to come back. Now, this is where I th- have the note. So I'm I'm totally fine with Francine getting this character direction. But in terms of... It's tough to say, but when I think of a character that has interacted with Mrs. McGrady, I think of Arthur. I think... Mm. I feel like Arthur has had, like, a couple of more like clutch interactions. And uh, granted, I'm thinking all the way back to the first season when she, Mrs. McGrady was like kind of the, 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 the yogi, uh, mm. the person who quoted Lao Tzu. And I think of Arthur's uh, Arthur world's greatest gleeper where he, you know, is 
stopped by her or even you know you tell her relationship to like buster in the uh the uh, buster baxter private eye episode anyway i'm thinking back very far i think she's had relationships with a fair amount of the kids but arthur was the first person who sprang to mind i was just interested that they gave it to gave it to francine I wonder if, you know, they were hamstrung by the idea of they wanted the kid to be worried about this, to have a uh, relative who passed away from cancer, and we kind of, well, I I suppose, you know, um, Grandma Thora and Grandpa Dave are not on the same side, right? So I I suppose, you know, um, Grandma Thora or Grandpa Dave, Grandpa Dave's wife or Grandma Thora's husband could have passed away, but then that's like a lot of heavy stuff for one episode, right? Because not only do we have like a beloved, uh, character near and dear to Arthur's heart who has already now been, uh, passed away in the fiction from cancer, but now the, the lunch lady's passing away from cancer as well. So I, I, that's a lot, um... Uh, so maybe they, they, that's why they gave it to Francine, as Francine's grandparents are a little bit more of an unknown commodity. Um, but I don't know. They also could have just had it because uh, Arthur knows Mrs. McGrady more. He's just more invested in the whole thing, and he didn't have to have a loved one pass away from cancer. But I, I'm not sure. Yeah, and and, and it's 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 not a crit- it's not a critique for me. I'm just I just I just found it a little strange that you wouldn't start there, but whatever. the The point is that we have this character direction, and if it's Francine, then that's fine. So Francine is really shaken up by this dream. She stays home from school the next day, and Binky and Buster uh, come to visit her. This is where Binky gives Lance Armstrong's number to Francine because, of course, Binky is the connection to Lance Armstrong. He, they are the ones who met up in that episode. Francine is a little bit like, well, why would I want to? Why would I want to talk to him? Like, is, is he gonna like, 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 what can he do? And Binky's like, you didn't know he that he had cancer. And we get this with this montage where Binky is explaining essentially the Lance Armstrong story, which is, you know, he had uh, testicular cancer, he overcame it, and he's like one of the became one of the like winningest athletes in his sport. Um, all over the world, the we we get a montage as Binky's explaining this of just like all of the Tour de France's that Lance Armstrong has won, like a bunch of races and him being very victorious. I must say, it could be in light of what we know now about Lance Armstrong, but this winning montage felt a bit excessive. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's funny because this isn't the first time we've seen Lance Armstrong and. In that previous episode we see him, his presence is definitely weird in retrospect. Yes. But I think it's made even weirder so in this episode. Um, there's far more of kind of a, and obviously it has to do with the you know the charity being so directly involved. Um, but it, it's far more kind of celebratory of Lance Armstrong. And, and maybe this is recency bias, but I remember him kind of being a big deal just in the way Arthur guest stars are usually a big deal in, in the big episode but in this episode they make a really big deal about it to the point where they're showing his wins um and there's some other stuff later on where um this is all i think much to uh the episode's detriment now considering what's become of lance armstrong um though i have to ask will um i'm not sure how you wanted to do this but how does this moment play in the in the new episode uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna save all that for okay. the end, I think it's easier yeah. to go over and just in one big. But okay, that's where the difference. This is where the major difference. The dif- comes this in. is where they kind of uh, diverge. Are they the same up to this point? Yes, yes. Okay. So we'll go into it a bit later. Interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah. It just feels a bit weird. Like I know that you know this was done in partnership with Lance Armstrong's 
foundation and that the foundation was built on his story. So I imagine that was just kind of part of the deal. And at the time it was probably a good, it was, I'm sure it was a good story to tell. It's hard to tell now, but you know, it is what it is. So Francine emails Lance Armstrong and Eventually, he emails her back and says that he'll be in Elwood City very soon. and He wants to meet up in person. There's a great Muffy has a great line where she's helping Francine pick out a dress to meet Lance Armstrong in. And she says she's got like one in the left hand, one in the right. The left says smart and sassy. The right says cool and confident. Neither are you, but they're both bargains. (laughs) (laughs) So Lance Armstrong uh, eventually comes to visit. Um, we also see here that Muffy begins visiting Mrs. McGrady. Uh, she and Arthur and DW bring care packages, and it's in this visit where Muffy understands uh, Mrs. McGrady's situation a little bit better, and it's because Mrs. McGrady is now wearing a, a head wrap, and Muffy thought that Muffy thought she was just being stylish, but no, it's actually because she's at the point in her chemotherapy where she's lost her hair, so she's wearing a head wrap. Um, and that, that hits home for Muffy and we do see that and that will, that'll come into play a little bit later. So Lance Armstrong comes to visit. Um, Catherine is immediately smitten with him, which is also like, yeah, this, okay. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned this earlier, even more so than the montage. This is by far, I found the most uncomfortable in retrospect. Like, I feel like even at the height of his fame, um, the reason Lance Armstrong was famous, uh, was because he was a, uh. You know, at the at the time, people thought of him as this remarkable athlete. You know, an American dominating the Tour de France. He had that big comeback story with the cancer, um, but he was never really like a heartthrob, especially not a teen heartthrob. Like the guy was yeah. fit. He was on Men's Health magazine. But this, I thought, was really weird. I feel like this would be weird even if Lance Armstrong, you know, never had a doping scandal. He's like, why is Catherine like fawning over him and like all nervous and be like, oh, it's Lance Armstrong. Like that would make sense in like the Matt David episode. Yeah, uh, you're but, right. But this is like this. I thought was downright strange and kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, because Lance goes directly to Francine's door, and Catherine opens the door. Lance says, "You must be Francine," and Catherine says, "Uh huh. Pleased to meet me." And she's just it, which is a good line. But she's also just completely gaga over him. Uh, Francine, not so much. He and the she and him go for a bike ride. And this is where Lance Armstrong explains to Francine, who is the the big thing throughout this episode is that everybody keeps inviting Francine to go visit uh, Mrs. McGrady, and she won't. She makes up an excuse. Um, Lance Armstrong explains to Francine that life does go on after cancer. Just because Mrs. McGrady has cancer now, it doesn't mean that she won't still be alive and live a great life afterwards. Because that was part of Lance Armstrong. That is part of Lance Armstrong's story is that he had cancer and then became a champion cyclist. You know, whether, you know, not legitimately, but at the time, that was what was so inspiring about it was that he, you know, overcame this incredible obstacle and then beat the odds and became top of his field. And Francine takes inspiration from that as well, and she creates Pedal for a Cure, which is a uh, bike race to raise money for uh, finding the cure for cancer, which is how Francine dives. She really dives into it. She gives uh, this uh, everything that she does. She can. We also see um, as Muffy is visiting Mrs. McGrady's house, Mrs. McGrady is being taken to a doctor's appointment by her sister, and Muffy decides to... 
uh, clean up a little bit. She noticed in a previous scene that Mrs. McGrady's house is a little, you know, there's dishes piling up. It's a little, it's not in great condition because she's obviously worrying about other things. So Muffy, her heart in the right place, tries to clean up, eventually enlists the heart of the help of Arthur and DW to basically clean for her. But she does do a little bit of it. And even though she didn't directly do it herself, this is like maybe the nicest thing Muffy's ever done on this show. It's true. I mean, if not top three, nicest, uh, definitely one of the most impactful. Yes, and it is a it is a genuinely big help, and it is demonstrating for the audience watching one of the legitimate ways that you can help someone who is sick with cancer or sick otherwise. We eventually see the pedal for the cure, which Lance Armstrong also participates in, and Francine uh, imagines herself while in the race pedaling through the Amazon. Uh, trying to find the cure for cancer. And that's what motivates her to eventually win the race, which a character uh, recommends that should be renamed the Tour de Francine, which is a very good turn of phrase. I like that. And this is the big moment where Mrs. McGrady shows up. She is feeling a little bit better. She shows up to the end of the race and says hello to Francine. And Francine admits that she, she, I don't even think that she says as much. But she says, you know, like, I wanted to visit you, but... And then Mrs. McGrady fills in the lines of, like, it can be hard to see somebody you love so sick. And Francine gives her a hug, and it's a very nice moment. And mm. um, I wanted to just share this really quick. Uh, it was 20 years ago, actually. It was February of 2001, um, my grandma or my, my Baba, as I called her because she was uh, Ukrainian, uh, Polish, she died of lung cancer. And mm-hmm. so this is where it really hit home for me personally, because Francine's whole thing is that she kept putting off going to see Mrs. McGrady. And thankfully it all, and it all ended up okay. Like as we see her here, Mrs. McGrady even says like, I am feeling better today. She is on, she is recovering she's in a good recovery yeah my my baba wasn't and Mm -hmm. when i went to go see her when she was very sick it was really hard for me and Mm -hmm. it was hard for me to see a person who was so full of life before be in that position so i completely understood francine and it just made me glad that francine got to see mrs mcgrady again i wasn't so lucky i put off seeing my baba because I didn't realize I was doing it, but it was it made me too scared to see her, and then mm-hmm. she passed away. So that was 20 years ago today. That's the stuff you don't forget about, and it really, this episode reminded me of it, but in a good way, and it made me feel good at the end here. And it does indeed have a feel-good ending, Lucas, um, because at the very end, as the kids are literally getting ready to revolt against Skip Bitterman, uh, Mrs. It's McGrady, his, like, weird mushroom cube he's feeding them. <laughs> it's probably uh, the most disgusting. They've saved the most disgusting looking uh, item for last. Whatever Buster is trying to eat, it looks absolutely foul. It's like a fungus or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mrs. McGrady returns. Uh, I don't believe she had her hair grown back just yet no but it is revealed also that skip bitterman is not uh mrs mcgrady's nephew because she comes to the cafeteria and he's like it's like aunt leah and he decides that he never really was much of a cook he's going to return back to being an investment banker <laughs> so skip bitterman Ms. would be getting way into like nfts 
you know, your your th- Skip Bitterman's th- buying dope apes or whatever they're called. <laughs> you think so? I mean, he he seems a little. I don't know. Uh, what would be what would be the NFT of ten years ago? Um, investment banking. No. Just- <laughs> <laughs> So Mrs. McGrady is back, and Buster is able to log in his food journal. I don't know what's going to what's going to be served today, but I know it's going to be delicious. So very, very positive ending. So before we get into our reactions, Lucas, uh, I did watch the remake of The Great mm-hmm. McGrady from this mm-hmm. year, from season 24. It is largely a shot-for-shot remake, and it is the exact same lines, pretty much the exact same shots that they could accomplish in Flash. The big difference is that it's not, they obviously excise Lance Armstrong, and they use Uncle Slam as the character to talk to Francine. <laughs> Wait, Uncle oh. Slam? Yeah, the wrestler. Oh, the re- from like like the in-universe Arthur wrestler Uncle Slam. Yes, or as Binky, Binky refers to him as Sidney B. Lamar Jr. So Binky's breaking kayfabe here. Okay, does Uncle Slam still organize a bike race, or does it become a different type of... Uh, fundraiser. It's still a bike race. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's odd. That's strange. Like, I, I suppose they would have to change too much, but why use Uncle Slam them? He's a wrestler. He's not a professional cyclist. What do he they even, do for he, the montage? Do they do a montage of, like, Uncle Slam, like, beating people up? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's talking about how, like, Uncle Slam returned from cancer, and then, uh, he, wa- he had, like, a Roman Reigns comeback, because he became the seven-time Ultimate SmackDown champion. We even see a little bit of wrestling, and I will say that we do see, the in the wrestling we see, he does a legitimate, like, one, two, three pinfall. Like, mm-hmm. whoever wrote the, whoever rewrote this, or whoever consulted on this season, knew what wrestling was. That's, okay. like, that's a pin into a, into a one, into a three count. So, there was a little bit of footage of him wrestling. Like I, like I said, it reminded me of Roman Reigns, who was also uh, diagnosed with cancer. Um, yeah, the, the other thing that's different is that, so, the scene where Lance Armstrong comes to the house and Catherine is smitten with him, instead, we have Oliver... Francine's dad, who is a huge fan of Uncle Slams. Oh. Well, that sounds like a that sounds like a massive improvement. Because again, it that really... was probably that was my biggest problem with this episode. Um, so I'm glad they rectified that. It really is. Um, and Binky has Slams' email because he is president of his fan club, so he's been in contact with him that way. The episode also has a Word From Us Kids segment. This is available for free on YouTube, by the way, the new one, with kids from Mason Rice Elementary School in Newton, Massachusetts. Their principal, Mr. Springer, also had cancer, and it shows the kids doing nice cards for him and coming to grips with what exactly it means when somebody has cancer. So it was a good addition to this. Mm. I mean, the... I might look I will, that up. It's interesting to think about Word From Us Kids in, like, HD. Yeah. Um, it's... I think it's I think it's worth re, I think it's worth you watching, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, there's not a lot for us to talk about. The, the, that's pretty that's pretty much it right there. I will also say that um, Uncle Slam is voiced by a Canadian actor named Alan Goulam, I believe, who was on CBC's The Tournament, which is like an early 2000s CBC drama show that I remember watching at the time. Anyway, nobody knows what that is. It's in the Flash animation style, which, as we've said before, is not super great, but <laughs> The trade-off is that you don't have to deal with Lance Armstrong anymore. It's almost better mm-hmm. if it's a fictional character. Like I understand the, the I understand all of it in historical context, but having Uncle Slam there is 
they have to be a little bit more creative with it. And aside from that, literally nothing else has changed. So I, if they felt, if they felt that they wanted to do that, I say good for them. And the episode has a really good message. So I can see them wanting to keep it alive. There's one more thing that I want to add before we go forward. And that's a, an email that we received. And I'm going to, uh, I didn't edit out any part of this as I sometimes like to, I'm going to read this in full. This comes from Michaela Gibson, who is also one of our patrons. Hey there, Will and Lucas and Mike. I thought I'd write in for your episode covering the Great McGrady because I am currently diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, a type of blood cancer. As of writing this email, I'm finished with treatment and waiting to get a scan to confirm if I'm in remission or not. I had watched this episode several times in the years before my cancer diagnosis, not really seeing the full weight of it. But now on my rewatches of the episode, I've come to appreciate its value a lot more. Unlike Mrs. McGrady, I'm in my 20s, and my cancer wasn't caught early. I probably had it for a few years before being officially diagnosed. I spent nine days in the hospital and got my first chemotherapy infusion there. Luckily, the chemo had more good effects than bad effects on my health, and I got to go home and go to an infusion clinic for the rest of my treatments. I think this episode got a lot right, especially showing the importance of your friends and community when you're diagnosed. I'm so lucky to know such amazing people in my life who sent cards, cooked meals, kept me in their thoughts or prayers, or just sent a quick message to check up on me. Anything that people did for me, big or small, was majorly appreciated. I felt a lot of support from the ECL Discord and other people in the Arthur community, which was great to see. I'm sure you guys will talk about this in the episode, but I really like the analogy Mrs. McGrady used to explain to Arthur and DW of how cancer works in the body. In my opinion, it gives kids a view of what cancer is without unnecessarily worrying them or overcomplicating things for them. I'm excited to hear your recap of the episode, and here's some more opinions on this topic from listeners on the Discord, social media, and future emails sent in. Well, first of all, Michaela, uh, waiting on bated breath for when you're ready to share uh, your news, if you feel comfortable with that at all. But um, especially this being the holiday season, we're hoping for a miracle or just or just positive effects in general. Thank you for sharing that with us. We really appreciate you as a listener and as a person for sharing that with us. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. So, Lucas, let's talk about it. The Great McGrady's. I think this is the very first, if I'm not mistaken, where it's like it's a very special episode of Arthur. Like we've had message episodes before, but none that have been like this is expressly what it's about. It was a double length episode. So how did you come away feeling about this? I feel really conflicted about The Great McGrady as I only watched the original version. I think that the stuff that was really important for it to get right, it did get right in terms of all the educational aspects uh, that it's trying to teach and instill kids about dealing with and and what's it like to have a loved one, uh, whether that be family member, friend, whatever, uh, come down with cancer. Because it is a very, unfortunately, common experience that a lot of kids very at a young age are going to have to deal with. And I think the... The stuff around uh, Mrs. McGrady and Francine and, and Francine's anxieties about seeing Mrs. McGrady, I think that's all really well done, uh, or at least very appropriately done. The problem is, you know, it's got the specter of Lance Armstrong over it, and all of right. that stuff totally didn't work for me. Like, the the montage of all of his wins at the Tour de France, like, I thought it was, you know, even if... And I understand that, you know, it, it's part of the charity itself is being inspired by the Lance Armstrong story. But even if he never had a doping scandal, 
it's a little bit too much the Lance Armstrong show. And it's like, Mrs. McGrady is got cancer. Let's let, let's make it about her. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we got his like cartoon version where he's got the yellow Livestrong bracelet and, you know, uh, Catherine fawning over him is just like deeply uncomfortable. Um, and it's just a little bit too much Lance Armstrong talk in this one. Um, and then, you know, Keeping in mind the doping stuff, it's even weirder and more bizarre because uh, the um, what Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong means in, in popular culture has totally changed now, and so this this episode's even stranger in retrospect. So I think it took, for me at least, a lot of the emotional weight out of the episode because there was this like dissonance between um, these fairly uh, well done and, and emotional moments with Francine and Mrs. McGrady. Uh, contrasted with these, like, really strange um, and just kind of uncanny now moments with Arthurized Lance Armstrong. Um, And I think, you know, it being contrasted with that really serious subject matter makes it even more stick out like a sore thumb than in the episode he was in before with uh, Binky, where in that episode, you know, it wasn't about such a serious topic. It was kind of about Binky, um, he's doing this bike race and, and... uh, about him, like, really sticking with something and, and, and overcoming, and, and like, that, it, it was weird, but it was more so in, like, kind of a funny way. In this episode, I feel like it makes sense to me that they totally remade it if they wanted to still have this message out there, because it kind of ruins the episode for me, um, to the point where I wouldn't recommend someone go back and watching this one unless it was for a curiosity like we did, because we do an Arthur podcast. Uh, I, I, I think it just kind of overshadows uh, the um, goodwill that this episode otherwise earns. Um, No fault of the Arthur writers, though I do think they laid on a little bit thick with the Lance stuff, even if he never was caught doping. But because he's caught doping, it's kind of just made this episode really strange. What do you think, Will? I think it's... Like, I want to take in the Lance Armstrong of it all, as you mentioned, because I think that that is a legitimate reason to disconnect with this episode and I wouldn't begrudge anybody who does including yourself um yeah I think it is like the I I never really thought about it before but I am super glad that they remade this episode as I mentioned mm-hmm. it's it's this is there's a really great set of messages in here about how to communicate cancer to young kids and that shouldn't go away just because one guy, Thankfully, like, because we don't really talk about this one guy anymore. We want to distance ourselves from him. Like, I guess I was able to separate myself. I was able to separate Lance Armstrong more from it and just be like, yeah, okay. I like, I'm paying more attention to things around Lance Armstrong because thankfully he's not a very forceful personality. You know, they didn't bring him (laughs) on because he's like funny or witty or even that interesting outside of his story. But he was just, he was an icon of for what they needed. So, I I'm I'm much I think I'm much more positive on on this than you are but I I know that the like the message is not your problem I think it's the the communication of the message and the way they choose to go about it which I kind of agree with like I thought if I felt kind of weird being like we're talking about Lance Armstrong a little too like fawningly but it's like that I think that was the style at the time so like it is a little bit off-putting, but it's just like it's such in a context that doesn't that cannot exist anymore. So it is really strange. But aside from that, I thought that this really was really, as we talked about in the emails, it examines why Arthur 
can do these things, subjects like these so well, and it's because they used a very deft and gentle hand. There wasn't a lot of drama around Mrs. McGrady's diagnosis. It wasn't like, oh no, she's gotten worse or something like that. It's very much, she's sick, and then as the episode goes on, she improves. The drama is around how the kids react to it, especially Francine, and I think that Francine's part is e- it's, it's easily the best part of the episode because it's the one they focus on and the one they put the most time into, and I think it really shows. I also think it's great to examine how you as a kid, or even you as an adult watching this, can help And I feel that it's good, you know, say what you will about Lance Armstrong, and we have and we will, and this isn't to excuse any of that, but it is good to have somebody on the show who literally had cancer talk about, like, yes, like, visit, like, visiting or sending get well cards or all of this stuff, it does count, and it does help, because you're, you're approaching this not from the aspect of, you know, the kids watching this will have had cancer and know what this is like. No, the kids who are watching this will have experienced cancer mostly, largely, but not directly. So how do you deal with that? And I think they got into some really good ways to do that. And it also, again, makes me very thankful that we have PBS's um, online booklet on this episode. And again, it's I, I read through it. It's a great resource for kids, and I would encourage you, if you have kids... Or if you have kids in your life, like download this and and either keep them as a parent or give them off to a parent who might need it. So I I don't I was kind of I will I will admit I was kind of expecting an amazing episode. I don't, wouldn't say this is amazing, but I do think it's notable in a good way and worth talking about, especially now that we can remove all the controversy from it. If you watch the you know, the, the the season 24 episode that came out this year is basically the best Flash animation era Arthur that ever existed, as far as I know, because it is just this episode, and then they changed enough. They got Lance Armstrong out of there. So, good for the Flash era animation of Arthur. That is that is an untainted win there for them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it does a lot of things right, and it can't help that the context around part of its episode changed. So I don't hold it at fault for that, but I completely understand why it may cause you to disengage. For me, I thought this was this was great. So, and I'm glad that it exists. I'm even more glad that it exists in a context free of anything that ties it to a certain time or person because this is a timeless kind of message and it surely empowered other cartoons to do the same in the future. So, a net good and there you go. That is both versions of the Great McGrady. Now, <laughs> I, I, I want to say, like, whenever we get to season 24 in five years or whatever it is, we, I, I don't know if we'll do this one again. I don't think it's necessary, honestly. Like, if you watch them back to back, they are basically the same thing. So I'm just going to cross that one off and we'll just over overstep that one when we Listen, get to folks, season 24. This is my guarantee. I will be doing. A Patreon exclusive solo review oh, okay. of the, the Great McGrady. We'll see what I think of it in five years. Uh, maybe I'll completely forget this conversation and I'll be like, oh, this is a really familiar episode. And Also, why is this wrestler riding a bike? I guarantee that I will forget it, but that's just that's just me. 
Um, yeah, thank you for the correspondence, everybody. I would encourage you, if you have any of your own stories to tell, please get in touch with us. If you're a patron on the Discord, if you're anybody, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com or on our social media, we'd really love to hear from you. Um, you know, this empower this enabled me to share my own experience, and I hope that you it empowers you to do the same as well. Because cancer will touch all of our lives in one way or, or the other. So it's important that we have these resources to be able to understand it, understand the people who have it, and understand our own feelings in regards to it. And that, like I said, Arthur is a net good for, I'd like to think, for society, but at least for young people. So we've already told you what's coming up on For the Kids. Uh Remember, patrons, go to the poll, patreon.com slash Limits, And to see the rest of the schedule, I, I won't go over the whole thing here. You can read the text. When we come back to Elwood City Limits in the new year, this is another... So we, this where we talked about we have two episodes. Well, we actually kind of already have an episode about one of these. We're going to be talking about when Carl met George, which we did an ECL flash forward with. Uh, I want to say about a year or two ago, or at least I did, with DJ Bob, friend of the show. So if you want to check that out, you certainly can. But me and Lucas are going to go back through the episode. We're going to see what Lucas thinks about this. And we're both going to see DW Swims with the Fishes for the first time. Other than that, Lucas, um, do, do we want to... Hmm. Do we want to hint at what might be coming in January? Let's we'll see you in January. We'll figure that out. Okay. All right. Uh, in the new year. <laughs> All right. We'll we'll fun we... stuff. Uh, listen, nothing bad, folks. No, 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 no. Uh, we're just planning a little something, and we will get back to you when we have planned it a bit more. So yeah, we will be talking to you again very soon. Lots of great surprises. No, lots of prizes. You know what's coming. If you go to patreon.com slash Limits. lots of great content coming Christmas Day, New Year's Day, and next week for patrons. So we hope that you enjoy them, and thank you for joining us. Remember to hug your loved ones today. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... The aliens took her. They're making her teach Earth cooking. We'll see you next time.